Welcome to the Resilient Life Hacks podcast. Join host Liz Myers and her guests as they explore resiliency through the lens of personal stories. Tune in weekly for inspiration and doable life hacks to overcome adversity and thrive in life. The opinions, beliefs, and viewpoints expressed by guests of this show are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of Elizabeth or Resilient Life Hacks Ministries. Welcome back, friends, to the Resilient Life Hacks podcast. I'm so glad that you have joined us today. I'm your host, Liz Myers, and I am so excited today that we have Karima Imborde with us. She is a playwright. She writes poetry. She sings music. She's a published author. Just so many fascinating things going on in her life. She's getting ready to launch a TV show, and she's here to tell us today about how she met Jesus and how that changed her life and helped her when she needed extra resiliency. So welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Elizabeth. I really, really appreciate it. And I really love the whole idea of resilient life acts, ways to continue to move forward, even in the face of adversity. That's awesome. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I'm so glad to have you here today. I'm glad you reached out to us with your fascinating story. And I, you know, I had kind of the, the rough idea of this podcast well before 2020, but it's, you know, with all the craziness that's been going on in the world lately, it seems like resilience is much needed by all of us because there's just so many things that life is throwing at us. Right. I totally agree. We have to learn how to fortify ourselves with the different things that we've been given. And for me, it's been Christ. Yeah. <laughs> so that yeah. has been my main resiliency. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So uh, if you would just take us back a little, you know, to before you met Jesus and tell us what was going on in your life then. And, and then we want to hear about how things changed. Okay, thank you so much for that, again, for the opportunity to tell about my story. And so my story is, I think a lot of women will be able to relate to it. I was um, doing well in my career. I was the quote-unquote powerful, black, successful woman who was, you know, making the six figures, had the nice home, you know, had the public stature. But internally, people didn't know that I was going home afraid to go to sleep because I thought I was dying. Um, but then wanted to die. So I was suicidal, depressed, having anxiety attacks, panic attacks every single day to the point that I was so under so much stress, I started to get massive ulcers because I was on a continual. Can you imagine every night being afraid to go to sleep because you don't want to die, but then you want to die at the same time because you're so miserable. So that's where I was at, though. I had all the accoutrements, all the external quote unquote success. And I know a lot of women we, we were, we're imposters. We have that imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. We spend a lot of time, you know, not really believing that we're supposed to be where we're at and then faking it. But internally, we we're like dying inside. And I was that person. And I was Muslim. And though at my whole life, I was born and raised as a Muslim with the Muslim schools, you know, so on and so forth. But at that season of my life, I found myself completely detached from my faith, from God. Not that I wasn't seeking him, but I was not getting any answers. I was totally like devoid of answers or or any truth that was allowing me to 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 get over the things I was trying to deal with. And unfortunately, in the um, African American community, particularly for Black women, we have this: oh, you don't go to therapy, you don't need a um, you know mental health is more like you just need to get yourself together and you just need to pray or you just need to. You know, that's women, black women don't suffer for those things. And that's something that's really killing a lot of us that we don't want to deal with the fact that therapy and mental health is an issue. And I'm sure, you know, you guys talk about that a 
lot on your uh, podcast so that you can understand that for African-American women, it's particularly in their 40s and 50s that have been brought up in a certain age group, mm-hmm. that they don't think that, you know, therapy is something that you do. If you're really strong, that means you're weak or you're just need, you're trying to be pampered. Um, and yeah. so I had all these things going on, too. It is amazing the times when I talk about it. Sometimes I'm able to talk about it with everything is OK. And other times I start to talk about it and I start to remember things that really stresses me or, mm-hmm. it, you know, it kind of triggers some right. of those emotions, you know, if you can imagine. Yeah, I can totally relate to what you're saying because I was I was the faker too. When I was struggling with depression, you know, I put on a smile and pretended. And for me, it was kind of the stigma, both in Christianity, you know, within the church, and also the stigma within the military. Uh, oh, wow. of you don't go get mental help. You know, you pray your way through it, or you, you know, that like you just like you said, that shows a sign of weakness. When really, honestly, it takes a lot of courage to go get it. Help, really, and it really shows a sign of strength. It really is. And we really have to change that narrative and that conversation around that. Um, So I'm always happy to hear about people that are telling women to deal with your mental health because it's okay. And, you know, just like if you're, if you had diabetes, you will go to the doctor. You wouldn't say just pray, even though prayer does work. And I'm a firm believer that Jesus heals. However, there's also God gave us everything we need pertaining to life and godliness. And one of those things are doctors and it's okay, you know, <laughs> right. to yeah. use them. Yeah, I um, agree. And so moving forward. So at that point, I, I, I always say, I'm going to mention this young, this lady's name every time, just like the woman who, you know, with the alabaster box who, who washed Jesus feet with her hair. Her name was Rose Hunt. And she was a, you know, a worked at the one of the um, the organizations. We all worked for a real well known organization, and we worked for different nonprofit arms of it. And I ran the education, and she ran the community development. And anybody who does community development knows this. And people are always angry and mad because you're trying to help people move forward, you know, um, in communities. And so it's a messy kind of work. And I was always like, yeah, that's not my my calling. But what I would say to her all the time, I would see her do things like, I'm just going to make the enemy my footstool and I'm just going to pray for them. And I'm like, pray for them. Oh, no, that's not what I would do. I would tell them. And she was always so firm in her faith and she was a Christian woman. And so I wanted to say that for people who who are not Christian, we watch Christians. And though we don't say anything for the most part, at least I didn't, we watch your life, not your profession. And if your life doesn't match up to what you say, I didn't want anything to do with your Jesus. At, the, at that time, I'm like, okay, I had a lot of Christian friends. They were wonderful. They're my friends today. I loved them. But at that time, I didn't see Jesus as a as something that was helping you. So why would I want to? You know, mm-hmm. it was just these things that your life need to reflect the, the the God that you serve and not by what you say, but how you live your life. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you're doing everything I'm doing. You're having the same issues I'm having. So I'm like, yeah. I'm good. I just take my, my Allah and you just take Jesus. And we all just try to figure it out. You know, that's where I was like wow. that. Yeah, <laughs> that's really powerful. That's convicting. I think that's the crux of it. You know, our lives need to match what we claim or, you know, there isn't anything attractive about it if we say one thing and do another. And, it, and it, yes, and it's not a condemnation. It's just that. God calls us to live a standard that will make people see him. And then when they look mm-hmm. at your life and don't see Jesus, then how do you tell them about him? It, it right. just makes it really difficult. Uh, people can't argue with results. They can't argue with a, you know, a happy home. They can't argue with you know, strong mental capabilities. They can't argue with prosperity. You know, you're doing well in life. So, And when you see those things in somebody's life, like I did in Rose, because not only did she have the, you know, we both worked at, you know, 
different counterparts in different organizations. She was successful, doing well, but she had peace. She was joyful all the time. She was genuinely happy. You know, she wasn't faking it because you could tell anybody that could pray for their enemies, you're not thinking that they're, you know, imposter. Yeah. No, she was really genuinely happy. And it was Jesus. So I was watching her. I didn't say anything for two years. I was watching her because mm-hmm. she lived in the condo over top of me. We both lived in the, this um, old converted hotel. And I was going through all that. And then one day she asked me to go to her church. Now, she didn't know, at least I thought she didn't know, that I was going through this, like, crazy. Literally, I was calling Elizabeth. I was calling the emergency line two to three times a week and getting in a, getting in a, a, a ambulance, getting taken to the hospital, thinking I was dying for them to tell me nothing was wrong with me. And then going to work, being afraid to sleep, maybe falling asleep by about 6 or 7 a.m. And then there's the interesting thing is that the only time I got any rest, I never turned on my TV, but I started to turn on my TV is when I turned on the channel for the Christian television programs. I didn't know what, well, I didn't make a connection. I just know that when I got to that that channel, that was when I was finally able to get that two or three hours and I would wake up and that channel would be on, which would only be like maybe two hours, three hours of sleep. Yeah. So anyway, so she invited me to church today and, and I was used to going to church because the role that I played in my you know, organization, I was the, the lead. So I was always having to speak at churches. So it wasn't for me, no big deal. Let me just go to church for roles. And I went to the church and this is something else that I would, you know, admonish Christians on. This is the, I've been in churches and, and the sermon was great. You know, it was, you know, good sermon. Young white guy. Her pastor was a young white guy. She was an African-American woman. And um, Pastor Brian, love that guy. <laughs> and um, and he talked the sermon. But at the end of the sermon, they told you to just take the um, envelope in a chair and it was the giving envelope, and just drop it off on your way out. No, no, you know, collection. But on the back of the envelope, it says about a prayer request. So I wrote my prayer request. God, I need you to show me yourself because something to that effect. So maybe the next day or day after, I get a call. Now let me guys tell you guys something, and this is something I tell my church, and we're really good at it. And all the years I've been going to churches, speaking at church, and I've been doing it many, many years, I had never gotten a call back on one of those cards, and I always filled them out. Because I was like, hey, I, I don't care who prays for me. I need prayer. So I didn't yeah. care if you're a Christian, Muslim, Buddha. Just pray for me because I'm like, I needed prayer. So that's another thing. We need to follow through with people because people are waiting for someone to follow through with them. And that follow through was interesting to me. I was like, mm-hmm. I didn't pick up the call. But I was like, huh, he called. That's weird. Yeah. And so Rose, out of respect for Rose, she's like, look, call my pastor back. Don't have him calling you. You don't call. I didn't know they had been setting me up praying for me. Um, Because she knew something was going on. They're like, we got to catch this big fish. She's a well-known Muslim woman when she accepts Christ. <laughs> it's going on. <laughs> I love that. Well, fast forward, I got to him to meet with him. We talked, and he gave me this book called The Case for Christ by Lee Strobel. And it's by a Pulitzer Prize-winning um, atheist who set out to prove that Christ was a lie. Um, he's been, at that time, he had been a pastor like 25 years, so it's maybe 35 years now because that was 10 years ago. But by two-thirds of the way of the, through the book, I knew that I needed to find out if what he was saying was true. It was I, I needed to check him. Because at this point, remember, um, suicidal, depressed, in pain all the time, can't even drink water with ulcers from the stress of the depression and anxiety. I called my father, and I said, my dad, because I was, I was really concerned about, you know, my whole family's Muslim at that time. Um, I said, Daddy, um, I need to check out this 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 Christianity thing. And before that, he had been sending me different imams to speak to because I had been telling him what I was dealing with a lot of anxiety. And I didn't tell him the full extent because, of course, I didn't want my father stressing, but I was like reaching out to him a lot during that season. And he said, and I said, Daddy, I, I need to check out this Christianity. And I was nervous 
But he was so loving to me. He said, daughter, you're going to always be my daughter. And that was the release that I needed because I was so afraid. I didn't want my dad to not love me anymore. You know, I was daddy's guy. My daddy actually just passed about three months ago, but I did get him saved before he, he passed. So amen for that. And I decided that I was going to find out more about Christianity because I needed to know because it made sense. All the things in that book. So if anybody, I, I should have stock in that book for as many people as I'm. You, know? yeah, you should. <laughs> I really should because I've sent that book to so many people. I've told so many people to read it because I'm an analytical person. Things need to make sense. You know, I'm not, right. a, I'm emotional, but it needs to make sense for me. You know, I, mm-hmm. I need practical. You make this make sense or I'm just not Okay. I don't, I don't do a lot of emotion on that area. When it comes to my faith, I need to make sense. So fast forward, I was finally going to a doctor appointment. I had been waiting six months to get into a gastroenterologist for these ulcers because none of the medicine they was giving me was working. And I found out why later because it was spiritual. Even though it was eating me up physically, none of the medicine, I mean, they gave me everything. And I had excellent insurance. So, you know, they would like give me whatever, the new drug or whatever. Nothing was helping. I'm still in constant pain. So I'm on my way to this gastroenterologist's office for this appointment I've been waiting six months to get into. And on my way there now, women, this is another admonishment for all the women that listen. I was in a car, a nice, gorgeous Volvo, but the windshield wiper was broken. Of course, as we do, I didn't go get it fixed because it hadn't rained in a while. Yeah. And so, you know, we wait until we need it and then we go do it. So we have to do better. So anyway, I always add that it is a little joke because I know how we can be. We can see something wrong and until it actually goes really bad. We just let it go. So I'm on my way to the doctor's appointment and it breaks out on a monsoon and the windshield wiper on the driver's side isn't working. So even if it would have been working, I wouldn't have been able to see. But without a windshield wiper, that's working. And I'm trying to get to the doctor's office. Now, no, this is an appointment you can't miss, Elizabeth, because if you miss it, you got to wait another six months to get in. Right. And so I'm, I'm driving to the doctor's office and I, the, the, the rain breaks out and then I have to park, pull over into the Walgreens because I almost hit a car. I'm like, if I miss it, I'm stressing because like, I can't miss this appointment. I can't miss this appointment. And then I, I don't know what made me say it. I know now. But I said, God, if you're God, stop the rain and get me safely to the doctor's office. The rain immediately stopped. Really? Like, like, like. I was completely freaking out because rain couldn't naturally stop that quite quick. It's no, if you, it was such a deluge of rain. It was coming down so like sheets of water. It couldn't have stopped that quick. But when I say it immediately, it just stopped. And wow. then I had this like, yeah. And so I'm freaking out. You can imagine. I'm freaking out. I'm like, oh, my God. This, this, this rain just stopped. And yeah. so I look at my windshield wiper and it had this stuff on there that beat it up the water when it would rain. But then my windshield wiper, windshield just got dry. Like no water was on it. Just as I looked at it, it just dried. So I'm like looking around, like, okay, what's going on here? Is everybody else's rain? So I, I, I pull out, start driving to the doctor's office. But the whole time, like, I'm just like, wow, what just happened? I, I don't know what to say. I'm like, okay, okay, this is is this Jesus? I'm not, I don't know. I don't. You know, I wouldn't even say this is Jesus. I was just freaking out totally. So I'm driving to the doctor's office. But when I was about to turn into the parking lot, I hear, well, you don't know if it was Jesus or Allah. I'm like, I'm hearing, I'm having this conversation in my head. I'm, I'm sure it was Satan <laughs> because he's like, okay, we about to lose her. So yeah. I pull into the, uh, into the parking lot and I said, if you're, if this is the God of, uh, if this is Allah, I need the rain to say, stop. If it's Jesus, I need the rain to stop. And I said this audibly, I need the rain to start again. And one second cold passed, maybe a, not even a full two seconds, and the rain immediately started again. And I'm like, 
okay, so now, you know, I was totally Gideon. So I'm like, okay, so I hear in my head, I, I say, well, it didn't start start as quick as it stopped. And I took maybe a second and a half. And I heard a voice, Elizabeth, as clear as I'm speaking to you. In my car, by myself, you asked me for confirmation and still you doubt. Wow. It's clear as I'm talking to you. Sometimes when yeah. I say it, and the only thing I did was like I, I I called Rose, who just started to shout and scream. because uh, they had been praying, they had been yeah. having night vigil, they had been praying for me for God to show me himself. And then two days later on November 17, 2010, I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Awesome. I'm gonna clap. <laughs> <laughs> that is so neat. What an amazing story. When, when you started with the rain, I thought you were gonna say, I couldn't make it to the doctor, but God healed me anyway. <laughs> But then when you said the rain just stopped, I'm like, oh, that wasn't what I was expecting. But that is so awesome. It wasn't how, what I was expecting either. Yeah. I, I just love how God interacts with us so personally on, you know, things that are, are big and important to us in the moment. But you look at the scheme of the universe and all time, it's something kind of insignificant. But he loves us in those those little personal ways. And um, I just love how he how he reached out and touched you in that place. And 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 the, and what and what I love about this topic, and you know, as it relates to your podcast and resiliency, is that before I didn't have an anchor, and how I'm able to move forward is that for one thing, I love the Bible. The Bible is like, how did people have the Bible their whole life and their life is not amazing? Because it is like everything. When I started to read the Bible, Elizabeth, I was like. You guys have been jacking the Bible. You know, I'm an artist and I'm a <laughs> filmmaker. So I had all these stories I've been seeing about apocalypse and all this. I'm like, wait a minute. It's in the Bible. Everything is in the Bible. And so, you know, at the time I was doing organizational development and like how to run a, and like everything you need pertaining to life and godliness truly is in the Bible. So my resilient life hat is the word of God is that I use the word of God for every area of my life and for everything that I'm dealing with in my life, there's a passage of scripture that can help me get through it. And not only will it help me get through it, it transforms my mind, it renews my mind, and it allows me to platform and be anchored that I never had before because I hold on to the word and I apply the word in my life. And because I have that word, I'm confident that those things that I'm speaking, I'm believing for are gonna happen. And those areas in my life that I wanna see change are gonna happen. And so- the word of God has been my life hack for everything. Everybody who knows me knows no matter what you come to me, and I do a lot of counseling with people in church. I said, let's go to the word. That's my go-to. I'm like, I don't have anything to tell you. I, what I do have, I give to you, like Peter said, it's the word of God, because I do know when I give you the word of God in the area that you need it, because the word of God is medicine. It's every, is this a medicine if you're sick, if you need uh, your marriage restored, if you need to get your own self together? Because I found out a lot of things about myself and a lot of them weren't pretty. I didn't know I was as arrogant as hell. I didn't know that I had a low self-esteem and didn't even recognize it. When I, but when I look back over my life and the things that I was dealing with, though I had all the outside quote unquote success internally in my personal life, I was... <clears throat> I'm even going to go there, but I'm married to an amazing <laughs> husband now, yeah. but I recognize that, that, you know, I've been married before both of us have been, but I know the relationships I was in before were based on the fact that I didn't have resiliency and, and, and loving myself. I didn't know how to love myself. I didn't feel value. I didn't value myself, but I didn't recognize that until I found Christ and found that that his love was so resilient in the way that it was so 
uncompromising and it's so unconditional and so eternal. It's so different when you know that you're loved no matter what, that the grace of God is so real and that I can come to him with all my brokenness, all of my uh, uh, attitudes, all of my, you know, wrong behaviors. And he's like, I love you equally as much as somebody who, who's quote unquote perfect, at least in my eyes. And I'm sure you can relate to that, Elizabeth. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that, that is good stuff right there. I just want to say amen, jump up and down and, and clap. You're so spot on, on on all of that, on God's word and on how important it is to know our identity in Christ. That's where our true worth and value comes from. When we look at what he gave up for us, you know, there's no question uh, how valuable we are, that the God of the universe would, would an immortal God of the universe would taste death for us. It's just so powerful. When building a resilient life, the first step Liz coaches people to take is to spend time daily with God. When you seek God consistently, he will show you the best next step for your journey. If you'd like a peek at how Elizabeth connects with God regularly, download her free prayer guide and journal at elizabethmyers.me forward slash prayer guide. You can now have the same journal Elizabeth uses every day and make it your own. after that day? Like, did you start going to church with Rose right oh, away? Yes. Were you I started, like immediately I healed or was it a process? Or Oh, let me tell you about that. So, you know, I went to the doctor's appointment, went in, they they did, they scheduled, that was the consultation. So they scheduled the, um, the scope that they were going to put a, you know, a scope down my throat mm-hmm. to see what was going on in my stomach. This is, I, and I Rose with me back to the actual operation because you can't dr- dr- drive afterwards. So they went inside. And now I didn't even recognize at the time but I stopped being in pain that day. But, you know, mm-hmm. I was in this, like, bubble. So I think the appointment was, like, three days later. I went back, or maybe a week later, I went back to the appointment. And he came, he even took pictures. There was no ulcer. I would completely heal. When I tell you my stomach had holes in it, he was like, I don't know why they sent me to you. I don't know what was going on. He even took the pictures. And my stomach looked brand He said, you have a, your stomach looks brand new. Literally, God completely healed me. I got a brand new stomach because my wow. stomach had holes in it. When I tell you, I couldn't even drink water that day. I went to what I said. And I cannot, I, even to this day, I can't remember when the pain stopped. I was in it all day, but I was just kind of in this bubble when I accepted Jesus. It was like, okay. Like, I don't even remember how it happened. I just know I stopped hurting and even think about it. I kind of went to the appointment because I had it. I've been waiting on it so long, but he just confirmed that nothing that I was complete me. He brought it out and my stomach looked like literally a brand new stomach. So I was completely healed. Wow. That is amazing. Yeah, and I've seen these. I mean, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I'm a big, <laughs> that was something that I have a grace for because I pursued it because of my own healing. So I see healings in people's lives. Not only physical healing, emotional healing. And that's something I'm really dealing with. I always talk about the bomb of Gilead. You know, you won't find yourself in you. You find yourself in Christ. Because we okay. live in a world that say, oh, you know, look within. Well, if you're looking for in within, and if it's not right within, you're going to really mess yourself up. So I don't look within. I look to Jesus for everything. And that's how I find myself. I find myself in what you said, identity. That is one of my core, particularly because I work with a lot of women, is that we don't know our identity. And because we don't know our identity, we end up in a lot of situations in life that have us at our lowest points because we don't know our identity is in Christ, not in our achievements, not in our marriage, not in our children. You know, we have so many things that we identify with. And when those things are not there, then we, you know, we, we, we crash and we feel worthless and we 
you know, we enter into these bouts of depression or anxiety or self-destructive behaviors because we have put our, our our faith and our identity in being a mother or a wife or or a or a career instead of in Christ. Yeah. So earlier you mentioned that the the physical issues you were dealing with were were stemming from the emotional and the mental issues that you were struggling through. And I, I'm so glad that you brought that up. That's something that I kind of harp on a lot is that they're all integrated. We're all one being, our spirit, our mind, our body, it's all connected and all interrelated. Um, so tell us, af- you know, after this experience, obviously you're healed spiritually. You've talked about your physical healing. How did your mental and emotional healing come about? It's amazing that panic attacks tried to come against me again, maybe a couple years ago. But like literally everything, I was sleeping, I wasn't, everything was healed. And it was like Mm -hmm. in the moment, because you know, when you first become Christian, you have this little, almost like this like cocoon you get in because everything just kind of goes well if 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 you're you're serious about it. And Mm -hmm. I just started reading the Bible. I started speaking tongues on my own. Mm. nobody, you know, gave me, I was just laying there in the bed one night and it's just like this, because I'm literally, I started to read the word of God because for me, I had, you know, I was older in life, you know, and I'm like, this is, I need to know everything. Cause that's the, my personality. When I get into something, I need to know everything. So I'm like reading the Bible. I need to know what's in this stuff. And he healed me through his word. And I didn't even know he was doing it. And that is so beautiful about the word of God is that because, you know, in John 1, it tells us that in the beginning was the word and the word is with God and the word is God because he is the word. And I spend so much time in the word. You can't spend time in God's presence and be not healed. Right. And so it was just the fact that I was in his presence, in his word, the healing started to take place in my life in so many areas. It started to take place in and physically I was healed emotionally, um, that panic, that feeling of dread. And then I had this sense of purpose that I wanted to live because I wanted to find out about what I had been missing so long. Hmm. Yeah. So what did your family say about your, was (laughs) was your entire family Muslim at that time? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And so so it was a graduate. I didn't, it wasn't one of those things I told everybody, hey, I'm Muslim. (laughs) I'm Christian now. That that didn't happen. I kind of gradually, but at to the point, um, I, I have five brothers and sisters who are four, and then me was five. My two sons, all but one of my family members have been converted. I said my father was converted before he passed. Um, so, I mean, and I'm like, a, that's that's my thing. Like, I'm all, I'm trying to get everybody saved. If you can't be around me two minutes, I'm not going to talk about Jesus or find out whether you're wow. going to, you know, you've accepted yeah. him. So that's something I'm very, very committed to doing is the Great Commission and evangelizing. And so it was a gradual process. And then so coincidentally, I found out that my oldest brother, he said he had became Christian a couple of years ago, but he was afraid to tell the family. Mm-hmm. And when I became, when I finally told the family, it allowed him to tell the family. Oh, wow. That is neat. So was anybody, did anybody respond in anger or like disbelief or what are you oh, doing? Yeah. Trying oh, to talk I had, you out of it? Or? Oh, yes. I had a one brother that finally, you know, the one that's not Christian yet, he still thinks I'm a little loony, but it's okay. I always say, if nobody thinks you're a little loony for Jesus, what are you really doing? Because, yeah. I mean, you should be living a life that make people uncomfortable because Jesus did not come here. He was very countercultural. He was very <laughs> not with the status quo. So I'm like, yeah. I love Jesus and I'm very, very proud of it. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, in some parts of the world, you know, when a Muslim tells their family that they've converted to Christianity, that has very severe consequences. It could be life and death consequences. Obviously, you, you didn't go through that here in America, I hope. <laughs> well, I didn't, but I was concerned. Remember, I told you when I called my father, I was very concerned about him 
being upset. Now, he gave me that openness when he said, oh, you'll always be my daughter. But it it took a while. I mean, he, I got him saved last year, and I've been saved now um, 10 years. So it wasn't something that he accepted. He didn't like it. But in yeah. that, remember, in that season of my life, he just wanted his daughter. He was, you know, he was worried about me. So he put his belief over, he put me over his belief because I was more important to him. Um, I don't necessarily, I wouldn't do that for my faith. I, I would tell my child I always loved them. I would definitely want them to stay up in Christian because I want them to go to heaven with me. <laughs> so at, at that point in your life, like, had you bought into the teachings of Islam or or were, were you just Muslim because your family was, you know, like how big of a mind shift was it for you to go from one to the other? Or it was, was it more I, of a culture? It was both because even though we, I didn't have a mosque in the area I was living in, I was born and raised in. I spoke Arabic. All my prayers went Arabic. I raised my children as um, uh, Muslim. So even though I didn't live everything correctly, I completely identified as a Muslim from the point I never ate pork. Uh, I mean, because I, I was born and raised unto it. I, I was a lot of I pray, you know, I prayed in Arabic. I speak Arabic. Um, I pray five times a day. I did Ramadan. I mean, I was you know, everyone knew I was the successful black Muslim woman. And I kind of even liked that. I wasn't the Christian. I was the Muslim, you know? I mean, I even kind of liked that whole kind of making me different because I've always been that. I was that child. I was the middle one, too older and too younger that always wanted to be different. So I yeah. love my different being a Muslim. Mm -hmm. But it was a cultural shock. And I was so blessed. Pastor Brian, I love that man. What it, it showed me is that I had a lot of wrong understanding of the word because I didn't know many people that actually use the word as the foundation of their Christianity. And I, I love the church. I live in Atlanta now. So I love the church that I go to because what I love about it is that we're a word-based church. And the reason I say, I realized why so many of my Christian friends who were primarily Christian because they were brought up Christian didn't know the word of God. Because when you know the word of God and when you use the word of God as your guide for life, you do see the results of the word. The word truly does work. It is not just a book. It is truly medicine. It is truly the testimony of God's power and, and who he is all through. And so the, the shift was that I used the word to see transformation in my life. The other shift was the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That was my biggest one. That was the most difficult one to accept. But once I fully accepted the Trinity, and the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, it really opened up a new level of doors for me. And so that was a big, and then the cultural things, just the whole, I think some of the cultural things that were more from an African-American culture, because, you know, my first church was with the, uh, you know, my pastor was white, you know, my first church, uh, my pastor was white. So that was the other thing. All the black pastors in the community, because everybody knew me. Oh, so not only do you accept Christ, do you go get a white pastor? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, and God got jokes. I'm telling you, look, yeah. <laughs> I always say God uh, is funny. Yeah, God's really, he does have a sense of humor. I, I yeah. totally see that. So, like, as far as interacting with your family, was it a immediate, you know, shift over to Christianity, or did you still participate in your family's activities? No, I cut, I cut, no, that's not me. I'm one of these. Clean break. Do or die. Yep, I was, I was Muslim. From the time I accepted Christianity, I'm a Christian, period. Okay. That's just my personality. I'm always, I'm, my friends always call me Miss Extremities because I could never do anything a little bit. <laughs> so you're like, you're oh, not going to be in danger of ever being the lukewarm Christian, huh? Ever. Cold or hot. <laughs> yes, that's me. I'm a, and sometimes I need to chill out with that. But hey, not in Christianity, but in other areas of my life, <laughs> I have to learn out. I need to sometimes, you know, 
But that's always been my personality. I either believed something or I didn't. That's just what's kind of what God made me. Um, so that wasn't an issue for me. Now, what I had to learn is that everybody around me may not necessarily want to. So I had to, when I first became Christian, it was like, oh, yeah, you need to become a Christian, da, 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 my brothers and sisters. And I recognize this is something I teach people in, you know, in my small group because I lead the small group leaders, is that we have to let our life reflect who God is. And then people are going to want to know. So people ask me about my life all the time because they see the results in my life. So my life makes people want to know about Jesus. And that's what I tell every Christian. If you're talking to people and they're not hearing you, it's because your life don't match what you say. So that needs you to go back mm-hmm. to you and that's say, good. Lord, help me get me together. So then people want to know, because I don't have to preach the gospel. I live the gospel. So the gospel preaches to people through my life. That's right. Yeah. You know, you were talking earlier about your friend Rose. And I remember back when I was in college, I had kind of had a relationship with Jesus, but I didn't really know what that meant. I, you know, I didn't, mm-hmm. I wasn't in the word. I wasn't, we didn't have like a real relationship to me. It was just mm-hmm. kind of like a thing I did in the past. But, um, there was a, a another cadet where I went to an Air Force Academy. So, you know, very military thing. And I, I would see her walking to class mm-hmm. and I'm like, she is under the same pressures I am. She's dealing with the same stuff, the same heavy workload, the same stress. But she always had a, this peaceful smile on her face. And I'm like, she's not pretending. She's walking alone. She has no idea that I'm spying on her from my window in my dorm, but it was, it was just a piece on her. It was never anything she said to me. It was me watching her from the sidelines that convinced me she had something that I wanted. Mm. And that's how Rose was. I'm like, I started to call her the Teflon Don because all the time, you know, when you do community development work, it's always somebody's angry. They send these evil emails straight you get in the paper and she would say, Oh, I'm just going to pray. Oh, I'm just going to make the enemy my footstool. I'm going to pray for him. And I would be looking at her like, what? And then literally the stuff would just dematerialize. I started to tell her, how did that happen? It's all the angry stuff. And she would pray. And next thing you know, people are sending back email strands, apologizing to her. And and I would just be like, and I see this over two years. And I'm like, what is going on? I don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> and it was Jesus because yeah, she, she, she took it to him. Yeah. That's an incredible story. Thank you for sharing that with us. What would you say to the person who's kind of looking at Christianity from the outside and like, yeah, no, I don't think so. What would you encourage them to do? I would encourage them to talk to God because what I realize is that when you seek God and ask him, Lord, are you Jesus? I mean, and it doesn't have to be this long 20 minute prayer or, or our prayer, even though I do pray a lot. I tell people, I, this is what I told a couple of my brothers that got them saved. I'm like, look, if you don't believe me, ask God. Because very few people actually ask God what path they should take. They just get involved with things and they just assume because it sounds good or they may have some kind of tingle or, you know, all these emotional, you know, feelings. But I've told people is that God said, those who hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. Seek me. Those who seek God, find him. But if you're not seeking Jesus, you won't find Jesus. If you're seeking Buddha, you're going to find him. If you're seeking Muhammad, you're going to find Muhammad. But I said, seek Jesus, ask Jesus, are you my Lord? And I said, and sit there long enough to get a response. I said, but as you ask that question, you keep asking him, you're going to find out. And then the second thing I always tell people to do is be around people that you see Christ in their life. And so the people that I train in the small groups, I'm like, your best, your best, way to bring people to Christ is to live a life that God is blessing, that people can see God in your life. 
It's not about the words because the words of a man cannot change anybody. But God's word is, do you have whole days that go by that you don't mention Christ? You have gold days that go by that you don't think about Jesus. Do you have days that go by that you don't pray? So it's these things that you do internally. It's not about all the flash, even though I do believe there's evangelists and I believe in going and doing outreach. But however, the biggest outreach and the biggest way that I'm able to bring up people to Christ, and I bring a lot of people to Christ, is through my life. And they want to know what's going on. And I tell them, everything that I do, I point people to Jesus. You ask me, oh, I love your hair, girl. The Holy Spirit tell me what to wear. He even picks my makeup up. Who is the Holy Spirit? Let me tell you about it. And it's the truth. Yeah. I mean, I use every opportunity because I recognize that my life is not my own. He owns everything about me. Everything about me is from him. And when I get that, when you come into that realization, it's very easy to tell people about Christ. And so but people don't know them. And if you want to know him, talk to him, ask him. And it, it seems weird because everybody wants to make it so super spiritual. But God is really down to earth. He is so down. There. He's so cool. He's my bud. The Holy Spirit, him and I, that, that's my bud. And I'm like, if you just talk to him, he is waiting on you to talk to him. And so you don't need other people, though. I do believe you should find people that know God and get into a Bible believing church. Yeah, that, that is really good advice. I, I can just imagine God just being so delighted and excited to answer that prayer that says, God, if you're out there, if you're real, you know, help me believe that. Show me that. And I just, you know, imagine him getting so excited. Oh, I've been he waiting does. for you to ask me that. He's been waiting. Yes, yeah. he has been waiting. He's like, yeah. okay, okay. Let me in. Let me in. Like, you yeah. know, the wrestlers with the tag team. Let me in. Let me in. Just tag me just once. I got you. Yeah. yeah, that is great. I really appreciate you sharing all that. There are so many rich nuggets and there's so many true rock solid things that you said. And I appreciate you sharing that with our audience. Can you tell people how to, to reach out to you or to get in touch with you if they want to hear more from you or you launching a TV show? So tell us a little bit more about that as well. Well, actually, it's a television network called No Walls TV. It's launching. Um, it all actually it just launched. It's on Roku, Amazon Fire. Um, we also have stations now in Atlanta, Texas, DC, and California, and we plan to be on stations around the country. Hopefully, by next year, we'll have many more. So it's No Walls TV TV. Um, no Walls TV TV. That's our website. You can go to it, and it's like um, it's uh, Christian television that, that entertains, educates, makes you laugh, it informs. And it's not a television. It has some sermons, but primarily it's for Christian content creators. We have sitcoms, cooking shows, uh, dramas, um, everything. All And so if you're a Christian content creator and, and you've been told that you can't get your content on a platform, this is why No Walls Television was created. So people can recognize that being a Christian is lit and you don't have to compromise your values. I tell everybody, my life is lit. I love being a Christian. Yeah. You have no idea how lit it is. <laughs> hanging out with the Holy Spirit all the time. He is like the bomb.com. <laughs> and also that's have great. a talk talk show called The Relevant Show. And that's at Relevant DC everywhere on Instagram, Facebook, our website, relevantdc.com. And it's a uh, multi-generational talk show uh, that we talk about the word of God. It's called Relevant, the Word Works. And that's we're actually just started our third season. And so we're on every Tuesday at 9 p.m. But on television, you'll see us in different markets on different times. It depends on what market you live in. Or you can always see us on Roku and Amazon Fire as well. That's awesome. I'm definitely going to tune in to both of those. I love that vision that God's given you for the No Walls TV. That sounds great. And we will have those links down in the show notes on this episode so that you can find those easily and, and go watch some for yourself. So 
Thank you so much for joining us today. I've just really, really enjoyed talking to you. I I just can feel the energy and, you know, just excited about who Jesus is and what he does for us and about sharing that with others. Well, thank you so much for having me, Elizabeth. And keep doing this show. Keep talking about mental health. Keep letting people know it's okay um, to get help and for them to find ways to help themselves and to use those same nuggets that you've acquired in your life to help others. And God bless you for what you're doing for the kingdom. Yeah, thank you. Amen. You have been listening to Resilient Life Hacks with Liz Myers. The opinions, beliefs, and viewpoints expressed by the guests of this show are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of Elizabeth or Resilient Life Hacks Ministries. To learn more and download your free guide to Liz's top 20 Resilient Life Hacks, go to resilientlifehacks.com. Subscribe now so you never miss the life hacks you need to live the life you want. Thank you.